Hi, I'm Paul Cuddehy and welcome to the Duran Duran Albums Podcast. And I'm Molly Williams. Join us as we take you on a musical journey of 40 years, 14 albums, countless great songs, and lots of great Duran Duran memories. From the band's self-titled debut album in 1981, through to the Paper Gods release in 2015, and, fingers crossed, a new album in 2021, the Duran Duran Albums podcast celebrates each of the studio albums while telling the story of the band. We chat through each album track by track, pick some of our favourite songs and memories from when the album was first released, and ask podcast listeners to give us their thoughts on each record. And we'll also have interviews with other Duran Duran fans throughout the course of this series, as well as extra episodes on everything from non-album songs, favourite gigs and the band's various side projects. So while you might want to save a prayer till the morning after, listen to the podcast now. Subscribe, spread the word, and celebrate 40 years of great music on the Duran Duran Albums Podcast. Delighted to be joined on the Duran Duran Albums podcast by David Orwick. Now, you might know him better as the man behind the guy fans of Duran Twitter feed at Boys Make Noise. Or you may have listened to him, he's David O, who runs the D-Side podcast. David, thanks for joining me. And I have to say right away, we are recording this on your birthday, so I'm absolutely delighted that you've taken time out for your celebrations to talk to me. Yes, this is part of my celebrations. Thank you for, for having me. Uh, well, listen, it's, it, the pleasure's all mine. I have to say that the, the first thing that always caught my eye was your was your Twitter feed. I just loved that, the guy fans of, of Duran. Just, I mean, I, I suppose people who particularly have listened to your podcast maybe know where that came from, but even if you could just give us a wee explanation of how, how that came about, that Twitter feed and that particular title. So I had a, a, like a regular Twitter years ago and I just kept collecting more Duranis as followers and talking to people. And I realized the different thing for a, in the Duran world is a guy fan of Duran. They, you know, we still are, have always been and still are a minority, I think. So I just, at first I was like, create a space for, and obviously never meant to be just guys or anything like that, but um, for people to talk about things other than how cute John Taylor is or, you know, the collectibles, the music, the concerts and stuff. So I just just went that way because it's a it's a somewhat of a rarity in the Duran world to be a guy fan still. Yeah, because I've I think I spoke about it on, on our first episode and I was speaking to Molly, who does the podcast with me about how I remember being at school and when Duran Duran first so I became aware of them and it was majority of the fans in the school would have been girls and it would have been, although I, I would have said I was a Duran Duran fan, I was probably in, again, in the minority. And yeah. And even now, if you meet people from years and years ago, sometimes they're, they're almost surprised when you say you're a yeah. big fan of the band. Well, especially in America, it definitely was not, I, I wouldn't say I necessarily hid that I was a fan, but I didn't really announce it <laughs> to the general public, you know, when I was in, high school or whatever very much so so what was it then for you that turned you onto the band what made you become a, a Duran Duran fan I probably got into them as early as an American could through MTV probably uh, it was Planet Earth Girls on Film or Hungry Like the Wolf would have been my first song but really through video 
So like very late 82, probably. And it was just, who can say it was just, it was magic. I remember, you know, from late 82 to late 83 that year in America, it was just an onslaught. It was Rio came first for us, really, unless you're really cool and got the first album on import. Then came the re-release of the first album. Then came Seven and the Ragged Tiger. So we got like three albums in a year. So it was pretty unavoidable. Because <laughs> what, what I always like, just not just in terms of Duran Duran, but just the music in general that you, you kind of touched on it there. There's some bands and some artists and music that you like. You've no idea what, why when you listen to that particular song, something clicks when yeah. another song, it doesn't. It's just some something magical happens. Well, and it's odd that I'm always the one to ask the questions and try to get people to explain why dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just because, I mean, it was just, it was literally everything. And I had like sort of favorites, some music favorites before that. But this, I think one of the things was too, I have an older brother and a sister and a lot of my early, early music stuff came from them. I would, you know, dig through their records and especially with MTV, this was new. I could find things all on my own without them. And, you know, it started that phase of, oh, your music sucks. And you know, you're doing something right when you're younger, if the older people think your music sucks. Because yeah. so. see, I was the other side of the coin because I'm the oldest and I've got two younger sisters. And I was actually chatting to my youngest sister just after we started doing the podcast. And she said, she's about five years younger than me. And she said, that's how she got into Duran Duran through listening to my music. And, and mm -hmm. probably if, if I hadn't been into the band, she was maybe a wee bit young. So it was, she always felt kind of quite cool, the fact that she was liking music that maybe was ahead of her in terms of years. Oh, man, if I had younger siblings, I would have literally forced them to sit and listen. And, I, you know, <laughs> I used to make I used to when I was really young, had a thing I would do for my mom and dad. Would, <laughs> I don't think I've told anybody this before. I called it Raider Record. And I had like different like lyrics melody whatever and they would have to listen to i don't know three it was like a game show i made up and basically to just get somebody in my room to listen to my music <laughs> so i remember making a mix of like with the tape recorder of hold back the rain and i edited out when he says i really don't give a damn because i didn't want my mom or dad to hear damn of all things <laughs> As I say, I think, you know, that idea of how you, how you come to music is always really interesting. I was wondering what the reaction was when, you know, when you started the, the guy fans of, of Duran. Obviously, as you say, you want it to be inclusive. Was yeah. it quite positive from other guys who suddenly going, I'm not alone. There, there are more of us out there. Well, and I took, like, from my original Twitter, I don't want to say a lot, but that's how I started finding guy fans with my, just my, with my original one separate from guy fans of Duran. And a lot of them sort of came over. So there was like maybe 20 or 30 followers like right away that we already had been talking. And um, it's, yeah, I mean, once again, it was never, ever meant to be just guy fans. But I think people like just being able to, like the, I do like surveys and, you know, just weird things. There's no real rhyme or reason to it, but just being able to talk about differences of opinion without arguing, um, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, some lighthearted arguments maybe, but it's one thing I've learned is it's fascinating how vastly different things can be perceived. Like the ultimate favorite, the chauffeur, for, you know, wins every survey. There's so many people that just absolutely hate that song. And it's still fascinating to me to talk about differences of opinion that way. Also, I think, particularly in the kind of social media climate, it's nice if you can have a platform where 
people, what brings them together is a love of the band. But within that, you can actually have several discussions and disagreements because so often Twitter's, it quickly escalates to threats of right. violence, and, and which really I can't really understand. So I like the fact that people can, as you say, can disagree over songs, but do it in a kind of... Yeah. And I mean, I don't think I've ever seen any really big, like somebody being a total jerk on it. I don't know. I mean, I really haven't ever had to like block somebody or anything like that. I mean, I don't suppose I do super controversial opinions, but it's not every, not everything's positive. We make fun of the band, make fun of each other, you know, so lighthearted. But I mentioned that you also do the the D side podcast because one of the podcasts I really, episodes I really like, and again, it kind of touches I suppose partly on what you're doing on Twitter was the the one how boys make noise and you'd done the mm-hmm. survey and you know even just the the split in gender between male and female fans but then also different attitudes to either the, the music but also memorabilia collections and stuff that was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, and I I mean that is just coming coming from talking to people for years. I'm like, you know, Duran Duran is obviously once again seen as a not just girls like them, but that's sort of somewhat their reputation. But I'm like, man, when guys guys like them, they go crazy. They need every single thing of whatever they're collecting. Obviously, there are girl female collectors and all that, but it was astounding the differences. Um, <laughs> which I think I think I talked about in that one. I think guys have to find a different way to express their love of the band, and theirs is I collect and I have everything. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought that was absolutely fascinating. The other thing I always find is, you know, particularly maybe talking to people the same age as me, and, and I'll say I'm a Duran Duran fan, and and, and they're, they're maybe their reaction immediately going back to when they were at school was, you know, they didn't like the band, but then actually, then they'll say, well, that song's not too bad. And I quite like that song as well. And then before you know it, 40 years worth of songs, there's no way you're not going to like at least yeah. so even if you're not a, a massive fan. And it goes back to, I don't know if it was as bad overseas but here it was they were just pure they're all over the teen girl magazines a magazine that many guys have told me they never would have they would have been afraid to go and buy because it was so you know teen beat tiger beat whatever you just i don't know you couldn't really express your fandom without being in america being judged for liking a girl's band they were you know seen as a boy band and they were actually marketed that way you know like the pictures were far more important than the music over here yeah. for a while. Because I think, in, certainly in, in, in Scotland, so we would, our equivalent would have been something like the Smash Hits magazine. Right. But again, they were very much on the cover style, cover styles. Although Smash Hits, they had quite a, a varied selection of bands. NME, which would have been the New Musical Express, the kind of quite stuck up music press. They, they yes. always <laughs> took a dislike to Duran Duran. And there was a documentary on, I think, last year with the band and, They've kind of made their peace with it. I think they were always slightly irritated because they grew up reading this newspaper that would have, you know, salted like a Bowie and what have you, but they never ever took to to the band. I think it was just one of these things that they just dismissed them without, but then without ever listening to the music after a while. Well, and I think it's to this day, I have a thing for underdogs. I would give a band or a song or even a movie or whatever more of a chance if people are like, you know, I don't really like that that much. (laughs) I credit it to, Nobody ever liked my music, you know, or I mean, critics wise, I'm used to no one liking what I like. So I don't care if people like what I like. And Duran Duran, I think, is still somewhat of an underdog. I mean, I also think as well, for me, it's that connection to being a teenager. It takes you back and particularly, I always feel at that age, things like music are the most important thing in your life. That's what, you know, as you were saying, it's how you start to 
evolve your own identity that breaks mm-hmm. away either from siblings or from parents. And so whenever you listen to the music, particularly some of the, the early records, it takes you right back to being that age again. And, and it gives you that wee reminder of what it was like to be a teenager and, and forging your own identity. Right. Definitely. That, I mean, I spent, obviously I had friends and stuff and I did things, but uh, the thing I remember the most about teenage years is sitting alone in my room, listening to music endlessly. And like I said, I would make these, I called them pause mixing tapes. It was like this super early DJing where I would play a song and I would pause it on the beat and I would switch it to another part of the song and then unpause it at the beat and make my own night versions and stuff. So I entertained myself a lot with music. Yeah, that's quite impressive, actually. (laughs) I wish I still had some of those tapes. And I have learned from like other people that DJed eventually, they did that too. I was like, oh, I you know, I thought I invented it, but <laughs> apparently a lot of people do it. And you should also maybe have copyrighted that thing you did for your parents. You never know. But yes. With, uh, oh, digital maybe TV. That, could be an, that could be an episode of the podcast, the Raider Record <laughs> Return. Uh, I mean, something like, I mean, those sort of things, I mean, obviously nowadays you're doing things like surveys and, and we opinion polls. Those are the sort of, I mean, back in the day, that would have been the equivalent of, of doing something like that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, there wasn't social media and... Even, I mean, I like I said, I didn't really yell about my love of Duran Duran to people, so I had to <laughs> get a captive audience <laughs> and force them to listen. And so, are any of the any of your siblings did they end up liking the band, or was that always something that was you? No, I mean, my brother and sister are like ten and twelve years older, so they were quite. I was, I kind of was like alone at home during that era, like they were already out on their way, so. Yeah. At, at most, they heard it in passing. I mean, they probably couldn't name three songs by them. Yeah. Because once again, I didn't care if they liked them. I had them. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, in terms of obviously, this is the Duran Duran albums podcast. And our idea is just we're going to get through each of the, the 14 studio albums and, and chat about them. In terms of that collection of albums, what ones would stick out for you? Anytime I've asked, I'm asked a question like this, my method is to not think and just say the things right away (laughs) but the three not in any order like if i were to think about three favorite albums all you need is now Madazzaland, big thing right because i'm I'm going to pin you down actually also on your three favorite songs as well so okay uh, (laughs) as long as i don't have to put them in order i can give you three but i can't put them in one two three order necessarily (laughs) yeah i always vary in terms of the albums because yeah we've gone back and because we're starting from the first album, then listening to that, it's very fresh. But when we thought of the idea for the podcast, I started listening to all the albums and some of the ones that I'd maybe not quite forgotten about, but weren't so in the forefront of my mind, things like Red Carpet Massacre. Suddenly I'm listening to them again and thinking, there's a lot of really good songs on that. Yeah, and sometimes time helps with certain things. Like Liberty is an album I basically nearly completely dismissed for probably decades I had the 12-inch singles. I liked the remixes. And I remember liking Downtown. Somehow I made it all the way to the last song at least once when I listened to the album. But now I go back and I'm like, it's not nearly as bad as I thought. But I generally, like in any music, I'm all about like new. I always want to listen to, even if it's not brand new music, but new music to me. So that's why my taste like tends towards the newer with the band. Even, I mean, Medazzalans, I know it's not new, but it's still... <laughs> slightly on the newer side yeah so yeah my oldest is big thing but it's not that i don't like the like rio is everybody's favorite usually it's not that i don't like it but i lived with it for so long intensely that i'm like okay i need something 
newer yeah. usually that I haven't been with for 40 years. Because what I like about the fact that they've been going for 40 years is kind of going back to what I was saying about, so Rio takes me back to being 16 years old, but then something like all we need is now our paper gods takes you right up to the present day, but reminds me why I like the band because they're still making music that sounds good, that sounds relevant. And actually it's not just a, they're not a tribute act to themselves. They're actually yeah. always trying to do something new. Yeah. And I mean, people are always like, oh, I, I want it to sound like this. And I'm like, I want it to sound however they want it to sound. I don't, it would be, I don't think any of us would be here if they repeated themselves with three more Rios after Rio, you know, they wouldn't be around still. Exactly. There's a, there's a reason why there's very few bands that last 40 years. Yeah. And that's probably, you're probably hitting the nail on the head. That's probably why, because they just end up repeating the formula to the point yeah. where fans move on. There were times that I was like, I drifted a bit. My two favorite bands, I always say, are Duran Duran and Depeche Mode. And it always seemed like if my love of a certain album was dipping a little bit in Duran Duran, that's where Depeche Mode seemed to naturally come up and they would kind of go back and forth throughout the years. So like, while I, shocking opinion here, Notorious has never been a favorite album of mine. So my attention dipped a little bit, but that's when Music for the Masses was coming out and, you know, they took over, so... I still went to the tour. I still bought everything, but I still liked music for the masses better at that time, for instance. And there'll probably be people listening to this or shouting at it going, how, how can you even say that now? <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, not Well, I, I attribute not liking Notorious to life's circumstances at the time also. Like it just, but yeah, that's one of my least popular opinions, I'm sure, having that be <laughs> near the bottom of my list. And I, once again, I like it. It's another, I don't hate anything on it, but I just don't go back and listen to it all that much. But that's, to be honest, I think that's the, even within being fans of a particular band, that's the beauty of it that you can, we mentioned earlier on, not everybody's going to have the same opinion about every album, every song, but that's better that you do that. Otherwise there's no discussion. Yeah. (laughs) Everything is perfect is not fun, you know, to talk about. Yeah. I mean, in terms of your the podcast, the D side, how how did that come about? And what what is it you're trying to do with that? Because obviously, it's not just about Duran Duran. It goes it goes way beyond that. And you know, if MD wants to subscribe to that, it's available on all the various podcast platforms. I mean, it's in simplest terms. It's just a podcast about music. Obviously, there's a Duran bend to it because there is to me <laughs> too. But over years, like just hanging out with friends, being at a bar or whatever, people are always like, I'm always talking about music and I'm always would be like, what's your favorite song by this band? Or, you know, how, you know, what do you rate this? People are always like, you should have a blog. And I'm like, I don't really write. I talk. So <laughs> I'm in my third year now. So I planned it for roughly like six months. So however long ago, I just was like, okay, I'm going to try this thing. And I made sure to not make it too restrictive and it's like format sort of like I'm going to only talk about this band or about whatever I wanted to make sure I could go and do whatever I wanted, you know, over time. But yeah, I mean, it's interviewing artists to me just talking to fan discussions and it's fun. I love it. So, I mean, I think that's, well, I suppose, first of all, particularly if you're doing podcasts, which I found myself is if you don't enjoy it, then there's no point doing yeah. it. But when you do enjoy it, it's a total blast. And uh, as I say, I can I can recommend to anybody if you want to subscribe to the, the D side. And there's just loads of different episodes of all sorts of varied uh, subject matter and, and what have you. Um, yeah, like Duran Duran's career, it's never the <laughs> same thing twice. Hopefully, yeah. so. 
But I think that's good for listeners as well that you know you've, you're giving them something varied, so they never know what's coming in the next episode. Yeah, yeah, um, that's me. That's me in a nutshell. You never know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the, you know, anybody that we've, we've been interviewing that we're going to be putting on the podcast, we always want them to try and choose their top three Duran Duran songs. And you already said that you. I mean, I obviously asked you beforehand, but you're just going to you're going to go with it with the moment. Yeah. So what what would what would the three be at the moment? Um, the man who stole a leopard, I believe. All I need to know, and Planet Roaring, are going to be my three today. And what would there any particular reasons well, why you, you've like them? Man who stole a leopard. I remember when I first heard it. I remember thinking, I, I was so impressed and pleasantly shocked that this band that's been around so long in my life could still make me go wow when i heard a song that one i just love well i love the the concept of it it's very intriguing like i can literally see a movie based on that little tidbit of a story in it but i like how patient the song is it takes its time and if i was gonna play if somebody said i don't really know this band other than you know hunger like the wolf or ordinary world I would say, here, try this. That would probably be one of the first songs I would play. Um, And I believe, I don't know why, I just have always loved that song. I think it might be more special because it was a B-side. So it was really fun to have an extra. And Planet Roaring, if (laughs) if you follow my Twitter, I like always talk about that song. It's just pure joy. It's a lot of my taste goes more towards like dance and club music. That's how I found a lot of music. And that to me is just screaming for like a big, huge club remix. Because the man, who, for example, the man who stole a leopard, that was one of the three that I ended up choosing. <laughs> but that was the one I had I'd got the other two songs, but then there was the one, that was one of three or four. And it just, when it came to it, I just, that was the one that came into my head. But kind of like yeah. you, when, that, when I, I think that's a brilliant album, that song for me is just, it kind of blew me away when I, the first time I heard it. And, and hearing it live as well, I think is absolutely yeah. stunning. When I saw that tour, I think I saw maybe three, three times total they came to Atlanta for all you need is now and when I heard it the first the second time of that show set I heard it live for the first time and I remember being like oh well we can leave I heard the man was still a leopard I don't need anything else let's go uh, obviously we didn't but yeah it was it's still a major high point in their whole 40 years well listen that's a, that's a really a really good top three in terms of the new album, how much are you looking forward to that? You mentioned already, it's, we kind of don't know which direction they're going or what they're going to sound like, but that's the, that's the exciting thing for me. Well, and I, I actually think I had an episode about like new music and stuff. Like I try to not overanalyze or overguess what things are going to sound like. And although I do like Red Carpet Massacre now, um, I remember overanalyzing and overguessing about that before it came out. And when it came out, once again, I like it well enough, but it didn't match what I thought it was going to be. So it seemed disappointing at first. So I know the producers or some of them, uh, Giorgio Moroder, it was almost like, gosh, years ago. I wish I could find on Twitter where I said this. He was like a no way this would ever happen fantasy producer for Duran Duran. And then he's actually working with them. So I'm always optimistic, but I try not to overthink it. But with the producers that they're having, I'm hoping it's ticking over towards club sound, dancey stuff, sort of a little bit. I kind of feel what they've done. They kind of know their identity. 
and, and you've seen it the last three or four albums, so it is Duran Duran, but they're kind of pushing wee boundaries, saying, well, why don't we try this? Yeah. Why don't we try that? And so it makes it fresh. So Paper Gods, I thought, was a, is a brilliant album. But there was wee things that were different in it from the previous albums, and I, and I liked So that's what I'm, I'm hoping for, that you'll still know it's them, but it was just yeah. say, because of the producers and some of the people that they're going to be collaborating with, it will just take it in different directions. And I, I think Duran Duran, the band, the people in it, potentially listen to more new music than their fans do still. Um, I think they're not really interested in the last album or, you know, what they did before. They're like, they've been listening to all new stuff and moving forward. So they're sometimes still a little bit ahead <laughs> of us in what they know musically and what they listen to, I think, sometimes. And do you know what surprised me, actually, when they, they recently brought out the, the Bowie cover, uh, Five Years? Mm. And I thought it got a really good reception. And I know people I spoke to who, again, going from what we were saying earlier on, who wouldn't say they were Duran Duran fans, were pleasantly surprised and were really positive about their version. And, and almost it's almost a kind of sense of they have that, maybe just a wee bit over time, that credibility of, well, actually, yeah. we're good musicians here. We, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, understandably, the fans are a lot, are like, they need respect, you know, they're so underrated, and the band's like, we're fine, you know, we just keep on doing what we're doing, they're not fighting to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, they just, they know that they've always been able to play, they know they can write good stuff, so they're like, you guys can <laughs> fight over that, we're just going to keep making our our stuff, so. And kind of like, you know, I suppose part of your motivation for starting the, the guy fans of Duran Twitter feed. I quite like the fact that going back, you know, I was a fan back in the day when there was, was a kind of that hysteria almost, and there was like all the all the girls in school loved them. And I like it that that I've kind of stuck with that all the way through. And of all the bands that I liked in the eighties, they're the one that I've kind of stuck with almost because like, devotionally. And I quite like that. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm sure other. I know other bands have obsessive fans. I mean, once again, Depeche Mode's fans are absolutely insane. But um, yeah, especially with like social media now, like we get to find each other. I mean, I've talked to especially guys who are like, yeah, I, I never, ever got to talk about Duran Duran with anybody, especially during what people term the lean years from like, thank you to through, you know, up to astronaut where fewer and fewer people were going. So many people are like, I just, they're just so thankful to be able to talk to anybody about anything related to them. So you're, pro you're providing a service to the Duran right, right. community. Yeah. I'll start a conversation and I'll just let people go and I'll go off and do my real job for a while and come back and join in. So, Excellent. well, listen, continued uh, success with the podcast and uh, obviously uh, the, the Twitter feed as well. And uh, thanks for, for joining me on the Duran Duran Albums podcast and enjoy the rest of your birthday. Thank you. And um, whenever you get to Medazzaland, let me know, because I'll, uh, I'll contribute some thoughts to that one, maybe. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, I'll definitely, I'll hold you to that. Thanks for joining us on the Duran Duran Albums podcast, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you can subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us, that will help other Duranis to find us. And of course, if you can spread the word about the podcast, all the better. You can also let us know what you think of the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Albums Duran, or email us at durandoran at paulcudahy.com. Join us next time on the podcast, and in the meantime, keep listening to Duran Duran like some new romantic looking for the TV sound.